If you will, if you'll turn your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. If uh, you did not get an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. And we want everyone to have an outline. You remember much more of what you read than what you here. So if you will, Brother Steve will make sure you get an outline. Beginning with verse 33, now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, with a loud voice saying, Eliah, Eliah, Lambathinath, or ever how it's pronounced, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he has called him for Elijah. <clears throat> then someone ran and filled the sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last, and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him, saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. There were also women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the less, and of Joseph and Salome. Verse 41, who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Now look at verse 42. Now when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage. Let me say that again. Coming and taking courage went in to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead and summoning the centurion, he asked him if, it, if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he brought fine linen, took him down, and wrapped him in the linen. And he said, and he laid him rather in a tomb which had been hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. In verse 47, and Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph observed where he was laid. Father, add your blessings to the reading of your word. Speak this to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Look, if you will, at the introduction. Follow me. Following a night and morning of torture and ridicule, Jesus was crucified, and for six hours he hung on the cross. 
There was darkness from the sixth hour, which was noon, to the ninth hour, which was 3 p.m. So it was three hours, certainly, of darkness. At noon, when Jesus was put on the cross, the sun should be its brightest. A very unique act took place during these three hours of darkness when, as the Son of God, he was made sin for us. A transaction took place between the holy God and a perfect sinless sacrifice, and it was nothing for sinful men to pry into. So the cross was shrouded in darkness. In the darkness there was a penalty paid, a substitution endured, and a perpetuation made. This is Easter. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, truly the foundation of the Christian belief. We find in the book of Acts when the apostle Paul and others, when they went to talk about this particular man, Jesus, that Peter and the rest, they talked about the resurrection often because this is where their faith resounded was not only in the life, death, burial, but also in direction, resurrection of Jesus Christ. But for just a moment this morning, what I'd like for us to do is to go back. Go back from today, three days. We notice, first of all, the death of Jesus Christ. Notice your nose. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. The veil of the temple torn in two from top to bottom. Notice what we have. The veil separating the holy place and the most holy place. Perhaps, and I believe this, indicating the end of the old covenant and the beginning of the new. We find that found in Hebrews chapter 10. Not only did it fulfill the old covenant or the old law, but it ushered in, as it said, the new covenant, and then it prepared you and I or allowed us the opportunity to go into the very presence of God. In the Old Testament, the priest, even the high priest, was not allowed to go behind the Holy of Holies except one day a year. It was a very sacred place. And when the high priest went behind this curtain where the very presence of God was and the Ark of the Covenant stayed, when the high priest went behind this curtain, they tied a rope to his leg or his foot because if he offered up a sacrifice or entered into this holy place, unsanctified and uncleansed, he would die and they could not go back and get him so they had to pull him out with the rope on his foot. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he opened up that avenue for us. And now we can go into the very presence of God Almighty. Notice number three, the centurion observing the manner in which Jesus died, confessed faith in Jesus. He said, truly and surely 
this was the Son of God. Number four, the death of Jesus was unique in at least two ways. Notice, he committed his spirit to God. In other words, he chose the moment when he would die. No one took the life of Christ. He gave his life. That's the reason that you'll find in other scriptures where Pilate, when Joseph of Arimathea came to him to take the body, that's the reason that Pilate said, is he dead so soon? Tradition was, and they usually broke the legs of criminals as they were hanging on the cross so they would die even sooner than usual. And when the soldiers came to the crosses to break the three men's legs, Christ and the malefactors on each side, they did break the legs of the two men and then they came to Jesus and he was already dead. You see, he gave up his spirit. No one took him. Pilate, in Mark chapter 15, verse 34, marveled that he died so soon. That's the death of Jesus Christ. He did die. He did not swoon away. He was not placed in the tomb as some say that he was, and he was not dead, but he was dead. Notice, second of all, the burial. Now, here a man by the name of Joseph uh, arrives on the stage from nowhere. He is said, he is called Joseph of Arimathea. Arimathea was a place about five miles north of Jerusalem. And this man, Joseph, comes and he asks Pilate for the body. John chapter 19. Verses 38 through 44. He comes and asks for the body. Not only did Joseph come and ask for the body, but Nicodemus also requested the body. So these were, and most of us remember the story of Nicodemus, how that he secretly came to Jesus by night. And and that's where in the third chapter of the book of St. John, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. So these two rich men, Joseph was a rich man. Both of these men belonged to the Sanhedrin council a religious group of that day. But both of these men knew Jesus Christ. They had accepted Jesus Christ. They knew him as Savior. And they, they, they secretly served him. Notice, if you will, both these men were members, as I said, of the Jewish council and both secret followers. Joseph was a rich man and he was a courageous man. He was a righteous man. In fact, Luke tells us that he was waiting for the kingdom of God. He believed in Jesus. He believed in the teachings of Christ and he was waiting for Christ to set up his kingdom and to serve him and to live 
certainly for him. Now, they came to take the body because the body of Jesus, I want to read some scripture to you found in Isaiah chapter 53, verse nine. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. You see, the plan was, listen at me, the plan was to take Jesus down along with the other two criminals. Maybe they would bury him and maybe they would not bury him, but they would discard his body like a criminal. Even if they did, he would would be buried with the wicked. Now, Joseph was not wicked. Nicodemus was not wicked. But that was the intent was those religious leaders wanted to put him with the criminals and to show that much disrespect for Jesus Christ. But Joseph said not so. I want to bury him. I want to respectfully lay him in the grave. And he went boldly. One translation says he went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body. And of course, Pilate gave it to him and he took him. The chief priest, they took him to the, to, to the tomb. And Pharisees asked that the sepulcher be made sure. Matthew 27, look at Matthew 27. Began reading with verse 62. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, notice what disrespect they had for him, how that deceiver said, after three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. So the last, here's what they're saying. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Now I want you to notice what Pilate says back to him. One of the most nonchalant answers I've ever heard. Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. Well, do the best you can. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Sealing the tomb guaranteed that the contents inside were safe and sound. You see, when they sealed up that tomb, when that stone was rolled away to the mouth of that tomb, and they sealed that tomb, that meant that several people, the guards, the high priest, and others had gone in that tomb, examined the body to make sure it was in the tomb, came out of the tomb, rolled the stone back, sealed it with the Roman seal, and four guards every three hours guarded the mouth of that tomb. No getting out. No disciples stealing the body away. Nothing would happen because Rome 
and the religious leaders, all of them said, he ain't going anywhere. He'll be right here. Notice what I have. Notice the ignorance and the arrogance that lead men to believe they had controlled and contained the Son of God. We're living in a culture. We're living in a society. We're living in a nation when the powers to be and the leaders of this nation are trying to conceal Jesus Christ. They have removed the Ten Commandments as much as they can from the public arena. There's very little on television about Christianity or Jesus Christ. And so people are busy. They're preoccupied. They have things to do. And so we remove Christ from us and we seal him away. And he's not going to get to us. I'm too busy. I thank God for you that's in church this morning. And I believe most of you, if not many of you, go to church other than just Easter or Christmas. Because you're saying, I'm not going to be isolated from God. Now, going to church don't make you a Christian. But it's, it's a show and an outward show of an inward experience that you have of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they sealed it up. Let me ask you this. Number four, ask this. Are there any areas of your life that you have kept sealed and secure in an attempt to prevent God from stirring you to a change in your life? Maybe sitting in church. Maybe you hear a Christian song on the radio. Or maybe someone gives a testimony. Or maybe somehow during the night, God's Holy Spirit is dealing with you and showing you and saying, hey, you need to change your life. There are areas in your life that you need to change. And all the time you harden your heart against it. All the time you say no and you say, I don't want anything to do with it. You sealed it up. And one day we will seal it up for the last time. The Bible says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. If God is dealing with you or does deal with you, if you see your need to accept Jesus Christ and to know him as your personal savior, thank God for that. Because there are many people today, and I do believe this, that have turned their lives and their hearts over to a reprobate mind. That's a mind void of judgment. And they care nothing about accepting Christ. They have no conviction of all. And there's nothing when it comes to the immorality and the sin and the rebellion against God Almighty. Think about it. Don't seal God out of your life. Don't say no too many times. Don't reject him and rebel against him too many times. Because today he's knocking. Tomorrow he may not knock. Tomorrow he may not knock. Jesus' burial was a fulfillment of prophecy. Just read it to you. The Jews intended to heap reproach upon Jesus by disposing of his body like a vile criminal. But Joseph said no. 
Joseph said no. The waiting. Notice the last one. Verse 61 of chapter 27. There they waited. Let me read it. I'm going to read Matthew 27, 57 through 61. Now when the evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped in a clean, it in a clean cloth and laid it in his tomb, new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. You say, Pastor, why don't you talk more about the resurrection? It is, it is the day of the resurrection. I, 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 want, I, I will talk about it more. But I want us to think for just a moment, you have Good Friday. Why do we say it's Good Friday? Because that's the day of the crucifixion. You and I, with an afterthought, you and I seeing what happened, we can call Friday... Good Friday because we see it through the eyes of Sunday. Friday is Good Friday. Sunday is the resurrection. How about Saturday? Because that's where a lot of us live. In fact, that's where life is often. It's the Saturday. We can rejoice because we know that he rose. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph, and all the disciples and those that loved him, they didn't have the blessing and the knowledge that you and I have. We know he rose, but they, they, they took his body down, Joseph did. Can you imagine lowering that cross? Can you imagine gently removing those spikes from his hands and his feet? With every nail removed, would it have been every hope that they had was being removed? As they took that hammer or whatever to remove the spikes from that hand and the spikes from those feet? Was it removing something in their life that they'd had hope for? You see, Joseph went against all odds. I'm talking about of Arimathea. Because he served with the Sanhedrin and they did not like God or Jesus. They were against him every time every way and shape and form. And here was a man by the name of Joseph which served on this this team, so to speak. And yet he believed. And he served secretly because he knew they would put him out. He knew that they would mistreat him. But yet 
Joseph was true to this man, Jesus, because he believed what he said. He believed he did have the words of eternal life. He watched what he did. He did raise the dead. He did heal the sick. They listened to his teaching. And they believed it. Joseph believed it. He believed it so strong until he went against all odds with the religious leaders of that day and said, I'm a disciple of Jesus and I believe that he came to set up a real kingdom. And yet taking that body down from that cross and removing those nails, there is no way that we can even imagine this morning how mutilated, bloody, that body was. And Joseph had to pick it up and carry it. Here was my hope. This is what I trusted in. This is the one that told me he would never die. And I'm carrying his limp body along. And with a thousand, with a hundred pounds of spices, of alloys and myrrh, he dedicates, he sanctifies, he puts them, and he takes the linen and he wraps, he and Nicodemus wrap and they wrap and they wrap. Are they wrapping up their future? Are they wrapping up their hopes? Can you imagine how lonely those two men were? Can you imagine the the emotions that they were going through? Can you imagine Saturday? Oh, we have uh, Friday. We know he hung on the cross. Thank God for it. Oh, we know we have the resurrection. Praise God, hallelujah. But how about Saturday? How about Mary Magdalene that that he cast out seven demons and that followed him? How How about Mary, the mother of Joseph and of James the less, two disciples that followed him? I mean, she put, she gave money. She was wealthy. She invested. Her two sons was in the ministry. Her two sons followed this man. And now they have taken him down, placed him in a tomb and rolled a stone over. And here sits Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph. What's going through their mind? What are they thinking? You you, you see, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, as they sat waiting. Saturday is about waiting. Saturday is about uncertainty. It's about knowing, not knowing what what happened. Saturday is ambiguity. It's about as one theologian put it, muddling through when the future isn't clear. So much of Christian faith is Saturday faith. 
There's not a person here this morning that at times you don't know. When the doctor comes to you and says you've got cancer and you don't know what the future holds, how bad is it? What will I have to go through? How much longer do I have to live? Been there three times. Saturday is when you raise that son and that daughter and they stand up in Sunday school and sing like these kids did today. Oh God, that was good. Who's that little girl that stood right here? I love her. She can sing. On Saturday is when your son and your daughter, your grandchild, and, and you dress them up for Easter and they go to church and they serve the Lord And then when they become teenagers, something happens. And they go out there. And they start doing things, saying things. And all of a sudden, your heart is broken. That's your Saturday. You don't know. Will they ever come back? Will they ever serve God? Has the devil got them for good? Will my son or my daughter or grandchild go to hell? That's my Saturday. That's my Saturday. Saturday is a time of waiting. You see, faith is something that you cling to when understanding and reasoning lay dead. Everything, you're talking about putting all your eggs in one basket. They'd all put all their eggs in one basket. It was this man, and here he is lying limp in my arms. Here he is in a tomb, dead. There's my hope. There's everything I depended on. You see, Mary... Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were waiting. But they were not the only ones waiting. I'll tell you who else was waiting. Hell was waiting. Can you imagine where the devil is at right now? I mean, he has convinced and coaxed these people to crucify Jesus Christ. He knows they've taken him to the tomb and locked him in, sealed him in, and the devil sitting there with his arms folded, waiting. Saturday is about waiting. And sometimes I'm impatient. I don't like to wait. the centurion, the soldiers. Four at a time, every three hours, here comes a group of soldiers. They stand there. They know if they let anything happen to this man, they will lose their life. And so they guard that tomb with their life. Waiting. How long have you been waiting? How long have it been since you've dreamed dreams? How long has it been since hope has been real and very much alive in your life? 
That's where we live a lot of times. Pastor, that's a sad thought. Well, Saturday is a day of darkness. Saturday is a day of uncertainty. Saturday is a day of pain. Saturday is a day of hopelessness. Saturday is a day of loneliness. And the devil will throw everything he can at you that Saturday. Can you imagine what's going over in Mary, Peter's, John's, those disciples, every person that had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what's going over in their mind? You and I know because we're, we, have, we know, but they didn't. They didn't know. They, they believed. They believed what he said, but they didn't know. It's sealed. It's over. He's gone. Waiting. Much of our life is waiting. But lo and behold, then comes the morning. Bill Gaither and Gloria Gaither said it this way. They all walked away with nothing to say. They just lost their dearest friend. All that he said, now he was dead. So this was the way it would end. The dreams they had dreamed were not what they seen. Now that he was dead and gone, the garden the jail, the hammer, the nail. How could this night be so long? Then came the morning. Night turned into day. The stone was rolled away. Hope, hope, hope rose with the dawn. Then came the morning. Shadows vanished before the sun. Death had lost and life had won for morning had come. Morning had come. The angels, the star, the kings from afar, the wedding, the water, the wine. Now it was done. They'd taken her son, wasted before his time. She knew it was true. She'd watched him die too. She'd heard them call him just a man. But deep in her heart, she knew from the start somehow her son would live again. Then came the morning. Night turned into day. The stone was rolled away. Hope, hope, hope rose with the dawn. Then came the morning. Shadows vanished before the sun. Death had lost and life had won for morning had come. 
You may be enduring a Saturday night, but Sunday is on the way. You may be facing oppression or depression, but Sunday's on its way. Your son and your daughter may be the prodigal of all prodigals you feel like, but Sunday's on its way. The doctor may have told you you've stood all and you've got all of this and you're sick here and you may be hurting and in pain, but I'm here to tell you with an experience from God, God Almighty is a healer and Sunday is on its way. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter what you're facing today. You may not have the funds that you thought you'd have in your latter years or middle years. Something may have happened. Trouble may have come. All of these things may happen. But I'm here to tell you that Sunday's on its way. I look over this congregation today and I see people. And I'm here to tell you Sunday's on its way. Susan, is mama here? Where's she at? Here says Maureen Jones. There's Sunday on its way right there. Can you praise God for it? Hallelujah. 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 My son over a year ago had an aneurysm in four strokes and the doctor says he can't live. They closed out the lights in the intensive care unit and walked out of the room. And that was a Saturday for us. It was a long Saturday. It was a hard Saturday. It was a heartbroken Saturday. It was a Saturday that we trusted God, yes, but we didn't know what was the future. But today, he sits here today because Sunday is on the way. women were the first or the last ones to stay at the cross and the first at the resurrection. Let me tell you something ladies. Don't you ever let a man put you down whether it's a preacher, your husband or anybody because you are very precious in the sight of God. And a lot of times when us strong men are going to be right there, we tuck our tail between our legs and we walk off and here stands the woman strong, crying maybe, heartbroken, yes, but she's there and she's faithful and she's the one that goes early in the morning before daybreak and she's the one that's been cast demons out of. Seven of them Mary Magdalene was and she goes early in the morning taking the spice to anoint the body of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, something's happened. You see, that stone or that rock that was rolled over the mouth of that tomb was rolled away. And those soldiers, they fell as dead. They couldn't gain, say, or resist. And let our culture, let the wise of this world and the wise of this nation, let them laugh and scoff and make fun of the Christian and of the believer and let the ISIS and let the people in the Middle East and Northern Africa and all over the world, let them try their best to wipe out Christianity. It's been tried for over 2,000 years and nobody has done it yet 
and nobody will ever do it because Jesus Christ is the head and nobody can't do away with Jesus. He is alive. 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 He is alive alive forevermore. Hallelujah. And he lives. 